Hello and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. Thank you. I appreciate when God spoke into our hearts. Barbara and I, we lived 200 miles apart before we got married. And we said, where are we going to live when we get married? Are you going to come down south? Because I lived in the south of England. Barbara, are you going to come south? down south or am I going to come up to the Midlands? We really didn't know what God had in store for us. And then six months before we got married, we went to the British Assemblies of God conference. There was like 6,000 people there. We had two sets of meetings, 3,000 and 3,000. We were in one of them. And... uh, We had already said lots of young people in those years were emigrating to Australia and to to Canada and New Zealand and all over the place. And we said, we don't really want to emigrate. Both of our churches, although they were quite small, were both involved in mission. And we said, there's one place we won't go to, South Africa. And it was because of the apartheid set up. And uh, Barbara had a Sunday school down in the bottom end of the city where she lived, and it had mixed kids. And she said, how can we come to South Africa and we're not allowed to be able to mix? So she said, well, we, we won't go there. And we, we just didn't feel comfortable with it. We went to the conference and... On the mission night, one of the guys that we knew, he had been a missionary in the Congo for about 28 years, and he was speaking and he said, I'm looking for people that will give a year of their lives to Southern Africa. That's Malawi, Zambia, Rhodesia in those years, Rhodesia, uh, South Africa, Botswana, and God just kind of punched me between the eyes. You're going. And I said in my heart, well, Lord, you've given me this girl. We're engaged. We're getting married in six months' time. You've got to speak to her. So as we walked out hand in hand, I just said to her, there's all the big crowd around us and we're all making our way somewhere. And I said, "Um, well, when are you going? And she said, as soon as you say. And I went, what happened? We said, she said, God just told me that we got to go. So we went and saw a minister friend of ours and we said, well, we'll shut down our our marriage. Uh, We'll have a quick marriage. We'll go. And he said, no, leave everything the way that it was supposed to be and just go and put your names down. So we went and we put our names down We were married six months later. It took another year for all of the logistics to work out. We landed here Christmas Day, 1967. And we said, (laughs) we said, uh, well, what are we going to do? Where are we going to get involved? And so our first 20 years, we lived on the Berea, our first 20 years was with the Indian and colored community in Asheville and Overport. We were in that church for 20 years. In fact, my kids were born into that church and brought up in that church, uh, just giving you a bit of history. And we had a Sunday school of 480 kids. And my two girls were the only white kids there. And they were in a white school. And when they started getting to the age of high school, they said, Dad, Mum, are we the only white Christians? 
because of all our white friends at school are not Christians and all of our Christian friends. And we said, no, 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 no. And then we had to start kind of mixing a bit with different communities. So they saw that there was different communities. Well, both of my girls and their families are serving the Lord. One was in missions up in North Africa in the Middle East for 16 years. And the other one's in um, Shlunga Baptist in the ministry team. What, what else do we need? That our kids and our grandkids are serving the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But that's not the preach. <laughs> so we're in the first service of 2024 here in Harvest. Well, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about 2024? Oh. Have you got a strategy for 2024? Are you challenged about 2024? Are you hopeful or despairing or, or fearful? Look what's going on in the world around us. I mean, there's earthquakes in Japan. And did you see that amazing crash of the aircraft that caught a light? Thank you, Lord, that everybody got out of that plane without being injured. Volcanoes all around. There's one in Iceland not so long ago, and I believe that they're, they're projecting there's going to be a big one coming in Italy in the near future. In core wars in Ukraine, in Gaza, Israel, Lebanon, Iran, coups in Africa, the world around us. What about our country? Look at all the corruption that's going on. There's elections, not only here, but in Britain and in the States. Look at the unemployment there is amongst the young people especially in this country, you think to yourself, wow. What hope has 2024 got for us? The economy in this country, in the world around us, is just... What's happening in the world around us? Is this all pointing to Jesus coming back again soon? Well, let me say this. I got saved in 1960. And I'd never heard about the return of Jesus. And I was so excited about this. Everything that I wanted to read out of this was about the second coming of Jesus. I just read it and read it and read it. In fact, the guys around me, the other young guys in my church, we used to go around and minister in different churches around uh, the villages around our city and in the town. And they would say, John, will you uh, give a Bible reading? And I go, and it was like, 1 Thessalonians 4, and it was Matthew 25 and 24, and they go, oh, not again, John, not again. It was just, I was just so excited about the return of Jesus. Do you know, there were so many messages that Jesus was coming back again, and it was just when the European Union was being formed in Europe, and they said, this is one of the forerunners of Jesus coming back again. I was so excited. In fact, Barbara and I had already said that we will see the return of the Lord before we see the grave if we live a normal life. And now look. <laughs> We're both gray. We're getting kind of... <laughs> And then, so we thought, is he, is he coming? 
So I want to challenge you. Have you got hope? Has God given to you for 2024 a word, a dream, some direction? I believe today when George phoned me and said, John, will you share with us this Sunday morning? And I said, oh, I believe that God gave me a word and this word, it's not a prophetic word, it was just one word. And can we put it up on that screen? And this is it. Expectancy. 2024 should be a year of expectancy. I'm not talking about which university, which school, which job, which city, which country. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about expectancy in God. Where am I going? Where are we going in the program that God's... I want you to live a life of, in 2024 that you're expecting, that you're living on the edge you're ready, you're waiting, you're watching, expecting that in 2024, God is going to do something special in your life and in mine. Amen. If God does something good in your life and, and just brings you to that area of expectancy. It's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect your family, your community, your, the place you work, the place you go to school. Something is going to happen. My community is going to change. My country is going to change. The world around us will change because God is doing something. Now, with that word of expectancy comes another word, and that's, the word urgency. Because if I'm expecting, I've got to be urgent that God, that I find the right place that God can move in my life, in your life. You've got to find the right place. That, mean, that means that we might have to spend more time on our knees. That means that we might have to spend more time in this book. We need to be ready, prepared, watching closely to what God is going to do in 2024 through you and through me. We're a church of Jesus. God's got a, a plan for us. He's got a plan for you as an individual that he wants to use you. But you say, John, John, John. No, let's have a look and some of the examples in the scripture of the heroes of our faith in the past. They had tough times, but they were expectant that God would lay something on their hearts, that he would change their situation, that he would direct their walk and where they would go, that would bring a change not only in them, but in their nation and bring glory to God. Do you know, in today's society that we live in, I hear so many people talking about what was wrong in the past and this is happening because that happened then and this happened then and that happened then. Oh, stop it! You cannot change history. Stop it. It's no good talking about what's past. Let's talk about what we can do today and what we can do in the future. So you can't change history, but you can make history. Let's be people of God that make history because he is with us. I want us to look at the scripture, Romans chapter 5. And can we have it up on the screen, please? Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Can we just go to those first? Therefore, since we have been made 
right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Thank you, Jesus, for breaking in to my life. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. We are confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, that when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And we endure uh, and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and died for us as sinners. Thank you, Jesus. Patrick was talking about getting another touch of God's Holy Spirit. That's what it says there in verse 5. Getting another touch of God's Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at what it says in verse 11. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Not because you deserved it, not because I deserved it, but because of what Jesus has done. He has made us so that we can call down God's presence upon our hearts. Let's have an expectancy in God that Jesus will be with us day by day, making history in somebody's life because of what he's done in ours. That changes our community. That changes our country. Let's look at some of the examples in the Old Testament and the New Testament of people that changed their nation, their community. I think of Moses. He had such a walk and he talked with God that God said to him, Moses, you've been brought up here as a prince in Pharaoh's palace. Now I want you to go because you've identified with the, your nation, the people of Israel that are oppressed and are slaves in this country. They've been here for so many decades. I want you to speak to Pharaoh and give him this message. Let my people go. Moses says, but God, God, I can't do that. I'm not a person that can speak just like that. I, I haven't got that ability to be able to do it. Give me somebody that I will tell them what to speak and they can be my mouthpiece. And God said, no. And under God's guidance, he led a nation of slaves out of captivity. And you know the story, going through the Red Sea and it parted, the chariots got drowned when that, uh, there was, they tell me there was like two and a half million slaves. He wasn't just leading a motley crowd of 20 or 30 people. Two and a half million Every day in the wilderness, there was food and bread and water. When God moves upon our hearts because of that expectancy, God makes provision for what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. What makes me so amazed about this was that he showed his presence there every day with that pillar of cloud um, by day and the pillar of fire by night. When that moved, they packed up their belongings and they followed. So they moved when God moved and they stopped when God stopped. And that's where we need to be in 2024. We need to be people that move with God and 
And when God stops, we need to stop with God. We need to wait on God so that when he moves again, we're on the move again with him and so that we know the presence and the power of the Lord. God gave Moses, he spent so much time up in the mountain that God, you know the story where he wrote with his finger on those tablets of stone and put the law there so that people would know this is what God demands of you. Now I'm so encouraged because God didn't have to give us Tablets of stone to carry around. Well, this is what it says. This is how I've got to act. It says there in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verses 33. We can put that up if we got it. It says there that God wrote that law upon our hearts. So we haven't got that scripture. Jeremiah, okay. Uh, 31 and verse 33, he says, I will put my law in their minds and write it upon their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Let's have a look at Jeremiah 32 and verses 17 and 19. It says there, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and your powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Let's have a look at the next one. You have all wisdom and do great and mighty miracles. You see the conduct of all the people and give them what they deserve. You perform miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, things still remembered to this day. And you have continued to do great miracles in Israel and all around the world. You made your name famous to this day. That's the God we serve. That's the God that we need to have that expectancy with, that when he moves, I'm going to move. When he stops, I'm going to stop. But it wasn't just Moses. What about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You all know the stories of them. These slave boys that were captured by foreigners and taken to a strange country, just to be slaves, dared to stand on the promises of God that were in their heart. They wouldn't eat the food that was prepared for them and prepared for other gods. They would say, give us 10 days, they said to the slave master, just give us 10 days. Feed us this food. And the slave master said, But if I see you guys and the master sees you guys more unhealthy than the rest of the slaves, it's my head that goes. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they said, we want to stand on the principles of the God of Israel that we serve, that honours us and he will honour us. You see what we're like after 10 days. And guess what? After those 10 days, they were more healthy, but they had an influence in a nation that was ungodly. They had an input into the kings of that nation. Daniel became the advisor to an ungodly king and his empire and changed the whole situation. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story how they were thrown into that fire. And yet the God that they served, the king said, didn't we throw them? Didn't I tell you to make that fire seven times hotter? Even even the soldiers that were throwing uh, these four slaves into uh, the fire were burnt because of the heat. Let's have a look at Daniel chapter 1 and verses 12. Have we got it? We haven't got it. Sorry. Okay. Have we got Daniel chapter 2? No? Okay. Sorry. All right. But God, they were expecting that God would come through for them. And he did. 
And he did. In fact, the king turned round and he said, if anyone, if anyone says anything against the God of Israel that has delivered these people, their heads come off. And he was an ungodly king. And yet he said to his kingdom and his empire, because of these men, everyone, everyone will honor the God of Israel. Now just imagine what it would be like if you and I walk in expectancy in our workplace if we walk in expectancy in our universities, in our schools, and people suddenly see the God that we serve turns up and delivers the goods and moves in a mighty way because we're expectant that God has his hand upon us. Wow. Look at Elijah and Elisha. They were expecting that God would turn up in their difficult situations. You know the story of Elijah, uh, sorry, of Elijah, how he was there in front of the ungodly king and there were the 400 prophets of Baal and they built two altars and the 400 prophets of Baal said, he said, the God that answers by fire will be the God that you need to serve. So the 400 prophets of Baal, they got up, they sung, they shouted, they screamed, they prayed, they did everything all day long. They got to the stage where they were cutting themselves and say, God of Baal, listen to us, answer by fire. Take up this offering of this bullock. <coughs> Sorry. Take up the offering of this bullock on this altar. In the end, Elijah turned around and said, you've had all day, guys. Now it's my turn. And he put the bullock on, the, on his altar. They had dug a trench around it and he said, now bring the water and tip it over. What? And they tipped it over and he said, God of Israel, the God that I serve, the one that I have, I'm putting my words in it now, that I have expectancy that you will answer my prayer. Send a fire from heaven. Guess what? Nothing happened. Yes, it did. Of course it did. <laughs> The fire from heaven came down, just didn't lick up uh, and burn that offering that was there of that bullock. It took all the water. It took the stones away. And the God that we serve answered because Elijah was expectant. He's walking through doing the ministry in, his, in the nation that God has put him in. And as he does, there he sees this young man called Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. Which one comes first? Well, J comes before S. That's how I remember. Elijah was first. Elisha was second. And so Elisha was plowing in the field, doing his job, doing what he needs to do. And Elisha said, I believe that God's got his hand on you. How many hear from God? I believe God has got his hand upon you. I believe that God wants to speak through you, to use you. And he said, well, let me go and, and uh, uh, pack up all my stuff. Let me go and say goodbye to my mom and my dad and my uh, brothers and sisters. He said, no, stay here. No, I've got to come with you. And that's the urgency that we need in 2024. We need to be so urgent that whatever God wants us to do, we are ready to pack up and go and leave and do what God needs us to do and be the men and the women that God wants us to be. I want what you've got. And sure enough, 
as Elijah was getting old, now Elisha is learning off of him. So find a mentor in your life that you can be close to, that you can learn off, that when they walk with God, you can say, wow, this is how God worked in their life. If God can do that for them, he can do it for me. And you learn lessons down through history uh, of your lives. And this is what happened. When I think of some of the men that I have met in ministry down through the years of my life, I am taken aback with the way that God moved in their lives. And if God, if they dare to trust God for this, then I can dare to trust God the same way that they did. And so find somebody. And this is what Elisha did. And now Elijah's getting old and he said, don't come with me any, anymore. I'm basically going to die. No, I've got to be with you. No, no. It's the end. I've got to come with you. And so wherever he went and then the prophets uh, that were around said, don't you know that your master is going to go? Shh. Shut up, I don't want to know anything about it. And then the next set, in the next city, in the next city, in the next city. And he goes, shh, I don't want to know anything about it. I'm just going to stay with this man so I can learn off of him so that God, the God that he serves, I want. And so Elijah said to Elisha, young man, I'm going over the river. Stop, stay here. And he said, no. Wherever you go, I want to go. Whatever you do, I want to do. Please. And he said, why? He said, I want from you and from the God that we serve, I want a double portion of what God's given to you. I won't be satisfied with anything less than a double portion. And he said, what? You've asked such a hard thing. He said, if you see me go and enter into heaven, then that wish will be granted. And so as they got to the river, Elijah took off his cloak and he slapped the water and the waters parted and there was all the prophets watching and Elijah and Elijah walked across the river. And then in the short time that came, the chariot of the Lord came from heaven and took Elijah. And Elijah shouted, I see the chariots of the Lord. I see the chariots of the Lord. And Elijah was taken up into heaven. And as he went up into heaven, he dropped his cloak. And Elijah grabbed hold of it and he said, I see, I see, I see, I'm here. Now I want that double portion. And it was almost as if there was nothing left for him. And he went, oh God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And then he got to the river and he said, oh where is the God of Israel? Where is the God of, Egypt, of Elijah? And sure enough, the waters parted. And from that moment onwards, you have a look through the scriptures. Elisha did double the number of miracles and incidents of God that he had done on Elijah. So he got his wish. How hungry and desperate and expectant are you about getting something from God in 2024? Come on, we need to get desperate for God. We need to have a double portion. We need to be where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to do. God spoke into another prophet of the Old Testament and in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, he says, who should I send as a messenger and who will go for us? And Isaiah turned around and he said, here am I, Lord. 
send me. When you know the story I told you of Barbara and I, we said, what can we do in one year? A lot of young people from Britain had come over for one year and they stayed for one year. Some of them stayed for two. Some of them stayed for five. A few are still here like we are. My mum, who was a backslider, turned around and she said, you said two years. I gave you five. Now I'm not seeing my grandkids grow up. This is unfair. My mum actually came here several times to see her grandkids and see the ministry that we were involved in. How amazing is that? Who will go for us? Isaiah had a life of expectancy. He said, here am I. Send me. What about you? What about me? Here am I, Lord. Send me to my school, to my university, to my workplace, to my community, to the old age home uh, that my gran is in. Who will go for us and who can we send? What does it say in Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 to 20? I think we've got that. And it said, and Jesus came and he told the disciples, I have given all authority, uh, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, that I am with you always even to the end of the age. So if we don't do that, how can we be sure that the God of Israel is with us always, even to the end of the earth? So what's your dream for 2024? What's your expectancy? It says in Mark chapter 16 and verses 15 through to 18, I think we got that one up there. It says, and there, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. And anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak with new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. They will drink anything poisonous and it won't harm them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Come on. Guess what? God has allowed Barbara and me, a little bit more me, to go to Zambia, to go to Mozambique with the gospel, to go to Botswana, to go to Morocco, and just allowed us to see things like this happen, that when we're living in dramatic days. We've got to be dramatically expectant. Many think that this is a sooner return of Jesus. What if it is we've got an awesome responsibility? Think of those others in the New Testament that were expecting. Think of Mary. Suddenly when the angel told her and George spoke about it uh, a couple of weeks back when she was pregnant and she said, but how can this be? I've never been with a man. And the angel of the Lord said this, and her words were these when she heard what God wanted her to hear. Luke chapter 1 and verse 38. I hope we got that one. And it said, these words, be it unto me according to your word. In the NIV, it says, may your word to me be fulfilled. 
In the NLT, it says, may everything you have said about me come true. She was just not expectant because she was pregnant. There was expectancy in her heart because she had a message from God. I'm asking you for 2024, have you a message from God to be able to be the man or the woman or the young person that God needs you to be in the society that we live in? Her partner, Joseph, you know the story. And when Jesus was born, you know the story. We've just gone through the celebration of Christmas. When they took Jesus to be blessed at the temple, there was a young man there that was young in the Lord and now grown old in the Lord. And he had had a word from God that he would not pass away before he saw the deliverer and the Messiah of Israel. And as Mary and Joseph brought baby Jesus to be dedicated and be blessed in the temple, Simeon was there and he looked and he says, now I can pass away peacefully because I have seen the word of the Lord fulfilled in my heart and in my life. I don't know about you, what's the dream for your life? I don't know about you, I want to die with my boots on doing something for God. I don't want to just fade away. I want to be busy doing what God has laid upon my heart. I want you to be busy doing what God's laid upon your heart. I want you to be expectant. What does God want from you? What does God want from me? I want us to see our faith made whole expectant in God. When we look at different scriptures, we see how in in Matthew chapter 14, how Jesus had compassion on the crowds because they followed him and then they were hungry and they'd been with him all day and he didn't know how to feed them. And so he said to the disciples, go into the village. And so they said, but there's a boy here with five loaves and two fishes. You know the story. And it says there was 5,000 men plus women plus children. Come on, work it out. If there's 5,000 men, how many women would there be? How many children would be? So you're looking at, sure. And yet, these five loaves and two small fishes, because Jesus took them and broke them and blessed them, fed, and there was 12 baskets over. There was expectancy because that young boy gave what he had Is there an expectancy in your heart that whatever you have, as small as it might be, if you give it over to God, God can use it and bless it and change a community? I'm reminded of people that said, obeyed, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so there was Peter and John, and as they walked in Acts chapter 3 as they walked into the temple to pray they saw the man that was always there begging for because he was lame and he couldn't walk and he and this guy was going please please give us give us give us just a couple of coppers just a couple of just give me uh, just a little bit it doesn't have to be much you know just to give me bread and and what did they say silver and gold we don't have but whatever we do have, we'll give it to you. What 
do you have to give? I don't have silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And he reached down and he grabbed hold of his hand and that young man that was young and lame and now became old and lame was dancing down the middle of the temple, messing up their service and all their rigmarole. And he was just praising God because somebody delivered what they had from God into this man's life. If it's just one person that I can affect, that that, that sort of thing happens, you They were expectant in Jesus' name. I'm thinking of others, and we won't go through them all, but I'm thinking of others. I think of blind Bartimaeus. And my time's going. I'm thinking of blind Bartimaeus, and I'm going on, what about blind Bartimaeus? And he kept on shouting, and he said, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Shut up. Jesus is not interested in you. Shut up. Blind Bartimaeus, I'm not going to shut up. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus, son of David. And he kept on, he kept on. And I go, oh, shut up, be quiet. Who do you think you are? You're messing up all this. And Jesus stopped. Because there was expectancy in Bartimaeus' heart and life. He had heard a whisper that wherever Jesus went, things happened. He wanted that to happen in his life. What about you? So Jesus went up to him and he said, what would you have me do for you? That I might see. If you have a look at the scripture, it says there, your faith has made you whole. Your faith. He was an unbeliever, blind Bartimaeus, who didn't believe in God, that didn't follow God, never went to the services because he dared to believe in what Jesus could do. Something happened. There was an expectancy upon his heart. It's time for us believers, living in a world corrupt, having fear in our hearts, heading for destruction in this world system, it's time for us believers to shake off our fears, turn our eyes away from what's happening around us and look to him. God, I need answers. God, I need wisdom. God, I need anointing in 2024. Touch me. Gift me. I won't be satisfied with a mediocre, normal life. I want to expect more. We serve an expectant God. Expectancy is the word. More. In 2024, I need God's wisdom. I need God's guidance. I need his presence. I need his continued love upon my life. God is living in expectancy for you to answer as well. Do you know what he says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14? If my people would have called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. It says, if we're living in the last days, it says in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old people will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. I want to live a life of expectancy. 
in 2024. Can we have that last slide up, expectancy? So say with me, I want to live a life of expectancy. What about it? What about it? Do you want to live a life of expectancy? Do you want to see God moving in a mighty way upon your life, upon the community that you live in? I'm sorry I've taken so long, but I just feel a passion in my heart that God wants to do something with you and with me. I believe that God is calling us as a people of God to get up, grow up, and become what he wants us to become in a world that we live in. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Will you stand up with me while we pray? Father, on this date, the 7th of January 2024, we stand before you and we want to say, make us believers that are expectant for you to, to do things in each one of our lives. We don't know how. We're not going to prescribe to you what to do, how to do it. We're just going to say, here am I, Lord. Use me. And so, Father, we just bow before you today and we ask you that this year of 2024 will be a year of God's richest blessings, not only upon us as individuals, but us, our families, our communities, our friends, and even our enemies, because they know that the presence of the living God has moved upon us. Amen. Amen.